Strange things are afoot at the Circle K. That kid is back on the escalator again. Ain't gonna hurt. Is my boomstick. Game over, man. Game over. Welcome to the Bargain Bin. He is your host, Ben Mason. And he is your co-host, Sandra Lukedic. And today we're talking March's fan pick or listener pick from Ian 1987's Spaceballs. Now, we assume if you're listening to the episode, you've already seen the movie and I'm pretty sure everybody has. So blah, 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 Sandra, what are your experiences with this? Whoa, you, uh... <laughs> <laughs> You just went right through that, didn't you? Um, <laughs> this is a movie that I saw quite a few times growing up. Um, mm. There was a handful of movies that my cousin had. Uh, this is my cousin who's like six months younger than me. So, you know, having two sisters, he was kind of the closest relative to me to get along and had a lot in common. And this was one of those movies that like whenever I would go over there was a potential movie for us to throw on and have in the background as kids. And I grew up loving it. Um, there's no secret about it. Like, I can't say, oh, I wonder what I thought about it. But it was just one of those movies that even as, like, young kids, if you didn't get all of the actual, like, verbal jokes, because there mm -hmm. are some that are a little bit more adult, you could at least enjoy, like, the more slapstick nature of it. So it, it's a movie that I, I remember quite fondly. Very good, yeah. I, I remember watching this as a child, too, and, and laughing a fair amount. Definitely not getting all of the jokes, but that's Mel Brooks for you. That's that's just him. His his style of humor is sight gags and racial jokes, which is interesting. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> not anymore. Uh, in the in well, I only really know Mel Brooks movies from I'd say the uh, late eighties into the nineties, with the exception of Blazing Saddles and Young Frankenstein which I maintain to this day has the best and worst of comedy writing. The first half of that movie is hilarious. The second half is horrible. Is this Young Frankenstein or Blazing Saddles? Young Frankenstein. Okay. All right. Yeah. Um, I, I had watched the movie a lot as a kid, but I remember finding a book, again, going back to an elementary school spring fling, like spring fair. Uh, I found Spaceballs, the book so a novelization of this movie now this movie does rely heavily on sight gags it's going to be an interesting episode to talk about because we're not going to go over that because what's the point of trying to explain a joke it makes it less funny now imagine reading a 120 page novelization of this movie it did not go well i feel like it would have to be something like a cracked magazine or something like that like well, you need visuals. Yeah. Um, it, it was weird. They gave different scenes to different people, different lines to different people. Things happened out of order. Uh, but the book was written by Jovial Bob Stein. I don't know if you know that name or not. <laughs> no. Maybe Robert Stein, or as most people know him, R.L. Stein. The oh, author hey. of Goosebumps. Nice. You'd think somebody of his comedic timing and, and writing skills would nail this. He didn't because you can't Spaceballs is just a weird entity. Um, so we'll, I, I want to hear what Ian's reasoning was for picking this 
So please enlighten me. <clears throat> Favorite movie as a kid. Perfect. <laughs> I, 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 I feel like the answer is actually he hates us and wants to see us struggle on an episode. Yeah, uh, entirely possible. Um, just uh, just yesterday, I, I was caught in a classic Nova Scotia blizzard slash downpour. Uh, so I'm feeling a little under the weather today. And they always say laughter is the best medicine. Okay. So unfortunately, we're going to be talking about Spaceballs now. Okay. Uh, well, I can have a laugh at you trying to figure out who was in this movie that's been in other movies we've done. Uh, actually, um, I was trying to pay attention to that during okay. my watch. Uh, oh, that's like a first. It, it is. And I only came up with one, and I think I'm very wrong. Okay, well, lay it on me, man. Rick Ducommon. I mean, you're not wrong. Was uh, a prison guard, and we covered him in The Burbs. Correct. He was uh, fantastic in that. Yes. Uh, Encino Man. Yep. And fuck. Last nope, action that's not a movie we covered. Last Action Hero. Yep. Is that it? Yeah. How did fuck. you get all three? I just remember him being in Last Action Hero. I couldn't tell you who he was. Um, Whereas I, I can tell you in in uh, The Burbs, he was art. In uh, Encino Man, he was the history teacher. Uh-huh. But Last Action Hero, I have no idea. He was the Ripper's agent. Tom Noonan. Okay, cool. Wow. Yeah, and and when they go to the movie premiere, he was uh, he was in that. Wow. So he had like no screen time in that movie. No, not really. Just a couple of lines where he essentially like gets cross with what he thinks is the actor playing Ripper, right. but it's actually Ripper, and giving him a hard time for being late to the event type thing. But that's about it. Crazy. Well done, me. Are there other actors? Yeah, there's two small ones. Okay, but they're actually no both in the same scene, which is kind of funny. Well, I know Stephen Tololovsky's in this, and he's in everything. I don't know if we've covered one of his movies, nope. though. Okay, I have no idea, then. Who are they? So in the diner scene, we have John Hurt having mm -hmm. a chest buster yeah. um, pop out of his chest and dance down the counter. Yeah. And he was the voice of the Horned King in Black Cauldron. Really? Yeah. I don't remember that at all, but what a great casting choice. And the waitress in that scene, who serves all of them, um, was Day Young. I'm not sure if that's how it's pronounced. D-E-Y? I have no idea. Uh, she was a very minor role. She was the friend in The Running Man that uh, Amber was complaining to at oh. work. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. You're lucky he didn't kill you. Yep. Yeah. Or all worse. Right. Yeah, let's not go there. So anyway, I have a second game for you. <laughs> no. <laughs> yep. No. Uh, it's a very... It's more just trivia that I want to get out there, and I uh, figured I'd put you through the ringer on it. Okay. I guess. In a very timely fashion, in 2008, they made a 13-episode animated Spaceballs TV series. Yeah, I vaguely remember that. Not sure why they did that in 2008. Um, I guess they were riding the popularity of the movie. Mm -hmm. Four people that were in the movie 
actually reprised their roles in the cartoon. Would you like to take a guess who did? Oh, God. Uh, was Daphne back? Yes. As Princess Daphne Bex was Bex one of the four that came back and did the voice. 2008. I feel like John Candy was already dead. Uh, Bill Pullman? No. Okay. That, not that getting makes Bill sense. Pullman. Get out that of here. Sense. <laughs> I don't know when Joan Rivers died. I feel like it was after that. Was she back? Yep. Joan Rivers did come back. It's Dot Matrix. Mm-hmm. They didn't get Rick Moranis. No. no. Okay, good. Yeah, he, he was still retired at that time. But he has been doing voice work because he could do that from home. Yeah. Uh, oh, my God. I Mel Brooks? Yes. <laughs> well, of course. That guy will do anything for money. Um, I don't know. Who's the fourth? Dom DeLuise actually did the voice of Pizza the Hut again. He was still alive? <laughs> I guess so. Oh my god, okay. Either that or they used sound bites of him and just said it was him. See, I would believe that more. But I, I'm just going by the IMDB, I never watched the show. So, it does say that he was Pizza the Hut, but I don't know. Right? So. When did Dom DeLuise die? I'm looking this up right now. 2009! Okay. Alright. Wow. Interesting. Weird. Weird returns for all of them. Yeah, I just thought it was interesting, so I, I figured I'd throw it in there. Yeah, they, they had a habit of just throwing out weird uh, memorabilia uh, or, like, in this case, a TV show at random times. Uh, like, they did a 19th anniversary soundtrack release. But I would have thought that if they did a show, they would have done it back in the early 90s when they were doing things like, oh, here's Ewoks, right? Like That would make sense, yeah. Do or it like, around the time... Like even that would still be a little bit after the movie, but 2008. Nostalgia grab. I get it. I'm sure right. there's a reason why it only lasted one season. I don't know. I never watched it. Yeah, I mean, oh, well, that, there's another reason. Nobody <laughs> did, probably. All right. We can get into the movie now. <sighs> Great. Classic Star Wars text crawl. We know what we're in for right away. Uh, the basic plot... I guess you could call it, is uh, Planet Spaceball is quickly losing its atmosphere and the leaders have decided to steal the air of nearby planet Druidia. Um, I know that the movie is almost all psych eggs. I already said that. And we can't really cover them, but I honestly always laugh when I see the spaceship. Spaceball 1 takes 1 minute and 43 seconds to completely travel the screen. Mm-hmm. I don't hear your enjoyment of this. I don't know what I can say about it. Yes, they wanted to emphasize it's a big ship. They make another joke about that later. Yeah. The part that always stuck with me when I was a kid was where in the text crawl it says, if you can read this, you don't need glasses at the end. Yeah. And as a kid, that was hilarious to me. As Why? an adult, I still don't understand the bumper sticker we break for no one. Yeah, well, there are a lot of really dumb jokes really really dumb jokes and again that is mel brooks humor i i wonder if he actually thinks he's hilarious i really do <laughs> because i definitely don't oh really yeah and, okay going back to uh, i was 
talking about certain uh, movies I know him for. Um, Robin Hood, Men in Tights. Oh, you better be careful what you say now. The opening credits of the movie are flaming arrows hitting thatched roof cottages, displaying the names of the cast and crew, correct? At one point, an arrow hits a roof, and it says, directed by Mel Brooks. And one of the inhabitants of the cottage leans out and looks at it, and they're like, leave us alone, Mel Brooks. And I feel like that more and more when I watch his movies. Oh, man. I know. I Robin Hood Men in Tights. That's fine. When was the last time you saw it? Uh, you know, five, six years ago. Yeah, watch it again and let me know. I, I love Dracula Dead and Loving It. That is not a good movie. The jokes <laughs> are very bad. But it has Leslie Nielsen doing what he did best. Anyway. On the bridge of the ship, we meet Colonel Sanders. <laughs> played by George Weiner. And Dark Helmet, played by Rick Moranis. So, right off the bat, reaction to Dark Helmet's costume. It's a big helmet. It is a very big helmet and a very little tie. I'm a big fan of Rick Moranis, so I'm always happy to see him. Yeah, me too, but... I don't understand the Dark Helmet joke. Like, I get it. It's a big helmet. It's like Darth Vader, but why Dark Helmet? Creative choice. I'm sure I, people out there listening know, and I just didn't really care to look into it because the character really does frustrate me. I don't even care, though, because I love Rick Moranis. Well, he's amazing. I'm just glad he's in the movie. I don't care if that's his costume or whatever. It's, it's more about what he does. Yeah. And the reveal of him is quite good. Um, we also get a quick view of the uh, Schwartz ring that he wears. And also a classy view of his armored butt plates. Yes. Yes. You, you must have butt plates because they're on your butt. That's funny. It's funny. Just like confusing Mr. Coffee with the radar. <laughs> See, you're uh, laughing here and I find that problematic. Excuse me. It's a uh, Mr. Radar. Mr. Radar. Yeah, okay, yeah. yeah that, I see the respect for Mr. Coffee, but you got none for Mr. Radar. Because they're fucking stupid. <laughs> it's so dumb. It's a it's a running gag that isn't funny. <laughs> anyway, their plan is to... <laughs> I see you enjoy this more than I do. Oh, man. I'm enjoying your reaction to it as well. Oh, it gets better. Uh, the plan is to kidnap Druidia's Princess Vespa on her wedding day and hold her for ransom. The payment? The code to Druidia's airlock so they can take Druidia's 10,000 years worth of air. Which we've already established seven minutes ago in the text crawl. Um, so we cut to Druidia, and I do have to admit, the planet looks really cool. Uh, seemingly utopian. Um massive castles, beautiful landscapes. I'd like to see more of it. But instead, we immediately get into the wedding of Vespa and the narcoleptic Prince Valium. Mm-hmm. I, I enjoy that joke. That's good. <laughs> see? You like it, too. There are a few things I will laugh at, I admit. But for the most part, it's a groan fest. Uh, we finally see the unwilling bride, Vespa, played by Daphne Zuniga, uh, her father, King Roland, played by Dick Van Patten, who shows up quite frequently in Mel Brooks movies. 
Usually uh, not in bigger roles, but no, yeah. no. As uh, I think, believe he was the abbot at the end of Men in Tights. Mm-hmm. We get the Droid of Honor dot Matrix, voiced by Joan Rivers, who is obviously C three PO in this movie. Yes, and uh, yeah. Dot and Vespa just straight up bail during the wedding march, board the princess's Mercedes spaceship, and fly off. Pretty fast intro. Uh, I'm okay with this. Trim the fat. Just get to the story. Yes. So we cut to our heroes in a tricked-out space Winnebago, Eagle 5. The captain is Lone Star, played by Bill Pullman, who is great in everything he's ever done, and I will argue anybody on that. And his sidekick, Barf, Played by John Candy. Oh, it's so great to see him on screen. Anytime. What a joy that man was. Yeah. Even in small roles, like in uh, Home Alone. He's always great. Wagons East, I don't know. That might be one exception. But, uh, Sandra, what's Barf? He's a mog. What's He's a mog? A half man, half dog. He's his own best friend. That's funny. That's a second see? check mark, Mel. There you go. You're loving it. So what are your thoughts on these two? Like, it's hard not to like Barf. <laughs> it's hard not to like uh, Lone Star as well. Exactly. Especially hungover Lone Star. Yeah. <laughs> I, get, I feel like it's supposed to be a joke because when he kind of comes to as the phone is ringing, which he could easily lean over and answer himself, yeah. he starts calling to Barf. But he says it quietly <laughs> at first as if like, oh, he's drunk. He's going he's gonna to throw <laughs> up. And then, oh, no, that's Barf's name. Mm-hmm. I'm okay with it. Yeah, me too. Uh, he, he definitely are Han Solo of the film. Uh, Barf, terrible parody of Chewbacca, but it's John Candy. If anybody else played him, it would not be funny. Uh, so we have Han, we have Chewie, we have C-3PO, and we have our Leia in Princess Vespa. Yes. We do not get an R2 character. No. The one thing I do love about this okay. is they save us from having to deal with a Luke Skywalker parody. I love that there is no Luke in this movie. We just don't need him. I never liked Luke Skywalker. I felt he was a horrible protagonist and his shining scenes are only shining because of the people around him on screen. Oh, wow. Tell us how you really feel. Okay. Wow. <clears throat> I'm not going to do that because it would get me in a lot of trouble. All right. The next part I actually did laugh at, though. Okay. Uh, the, the guys get a video call from this movie's version of Jabba the Hutt uh, named Pizza the Hutt, who is just a sentient mass of pizza, uh, who incorrectly addresses Barf as puke. Now, this is Dom DeLuise doing the voice. And Dom was great, but I think... When it comes to the DeLuise family, you and I both prefer Peter DeLuise from 21 Jump Street. Hey, I just saw Dom on 21 Jump Street. Oh, really? What episode? There's an episode where he pay plays uh, Doug's uh, uncle in a flashback. Really? Shit, I have yeah. to revisit that. What a great show. Yeah, it's funny because uh, uh, Michael DeLuise, who is a regular in season five, plays young Doug in that episode in season three. So it's kind of funny. I love it. Fuck, I forgot that altogether. Anyway, we're not talking 21 Jump Street, although I would like to. Um, <laughs> much like Han and Jabba, Lone Star is indebted to pizza and has to pay the owed 1 million space bucks the following day. 
Yeah. Did you did you catch what the original amount is? Uh, I did, but I forget, and I didn't. It's write like it down. they owe him like a hundred thousand, and he's like, "You forgot late charges, one million. Yeah. <laughs> what a jump! What uh, what what's your take on Pizza the Hut? I I love it. I love it. Really? Yeah. It's a minor role. It's only there for a couple minutes. Today, as a grown man, you find Pizza the Hut funny. Yeah. I don't get it. Why? I loved, it's, it's, I loved it as a kid. I thought he looked gross and funny. I loved the 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 play on the name. I don't like it anymore. Oh man. I, I okay. Also, the fact that he's oozing is bad. The fact that he's oozing into his own mouth is fucking gross. <laughs> so and then the well, robot guy that's with him takes oh, a bite out of him before they disconnect the call, and he's like, "You're delicious." Oh god. <laughs> And I don't even really know who he's supposed to be other than like some knockoff Max Headroom kind of character. I don't know. One thing I definitely noticed as an adult is how this is just a dude with makeup on his face to look like a robot. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Not even a mask. It's just makeup. Also, you can see uh, in Pizza the Hut's mouth, the actual mouth of the actor. Oh, yeah. So it, it's a it's a fun costume for sure, but they're they're not taking themselves too seriously, and you can't, you just can't in this movie. Seems like you are. Yeah, I I couldn't help it, Ian. This is your doing. Uh, Vespa and Dot exit Druidia's atmosphere, and we're treated to a decent sight gag yet again. But this time it's uh, Vespa's classic Princess Leia side buns. Uh, they're actually just headphones. Yeah, she's rocking out. And that did make me laugh. I have probably to not a safe idea if you're driving. You probably want to hear what's going on around you. Yeah, it's illegal. Yeah, you know, there's a lot of traffic out there. <laughs> cut, <laughs> cut the Spaceball City, and President Scroob, played by Mel Brooks, who's trying to squash rumors of their air troubles. Mel Brooks, Sandro, yeah, should never be in his own movies. Why? He's great in this. Defend that statement. He, he, he's great in this. Example? <laughs> give, me, give me three. Give me three <laughs> examples where Mel Brooks is great in this. He plays two fucking characters, so if you like him, it should be easy. I like him as, as President Scroob, not as much as Yogurt. Okay, what about President Scroob? I, I just... have one, which I will get to. I have it written down. Oh, okay, nice. Yeah. But three. Just give me three right now. Uh, the Perrier? That's not Mel Brooks. I, well, I mean, he wrote it, so he is probably a Sim too. Well, one of, one of three writers. I, okay. I don't know what part I'm supposed to attribute to him what? other than the things he does. Performance. What, I mean, about, what about his performances in this movie make him great? What about his performances don't make him great? Because he doesn't stand out at all. Well, I don't think he's supposed to stand out. He's not the main character. He doesn't want to steal the limelight. Every character in this movie has standout scenes. Or what are supposed to be standout scenes. Scroob made me laugh once. Yogurt, zero. Yeah, yogurt's not funny. No, yogurt is not funny. Good for you, though. Yeah, Huffing Perrier. I, that is a funny gag. I like that. But I'm also a fan of sparkling water. Um, 
him being beamed down to another deck and his head is on backwards. Stupid. Butt jokes. Great. We get the twins Marlene and Charlene. Dumb joke. I do like, though, I do like that after he gets beamed back and they say he's going to try it again, that it's just next door. That's the kind of joke that makes me laugh. Yeah, that worked. That definitely worked. Not the whole butt being on backwards, but or I guess head being on backwards, but just the fact that it was so unnecessary because it's right next door. That makes yeah. me chuckle when that sliding door opens and they're right there. And I, I will say that I should be a little bit lighter in how I deal with this movie, a little bit more forgiving. It's 87. Humor has changed, but so have my preferences. It's just... I found some of the humor in this insultingly terrible. Oh, man. It's harsh. Yeah, right? What happened? We started off on such a jovial level. I'm still jovial. You're the one who's a curmudgeon. Yeah, we definitely switched roles. Dark Helmet orders shots fired at Vespa's ship. The princess angrily calls her father to complain. So what does King Roland do? Of course... Call Lone Star. Exactly. As Lone Star is tasked with rescuing his daughter, and uh, he agrees to do the job for the one million dollars they owe Pizza the Hut. So this should work out nicely for everybody. Mm-hmm. Dot and Vespa are caught in a tractor beam, but Barf and Lone Star jam the radars. Raspberry. Yeah, Raspberry. Take take it away, Sandro. Well, it explain? doesn't make sense because how would the jam? seep into the monitors from the satellite dish. Like, that doesn't make any sense. Where did the giant jar of raspberry jam come from? Well, they launched it out of their ship, man. Weren't you watching the movie? It's bigger than the fucking ship. Well, you gotta jam the radars. You know, you're right. Yeah, Yeah, of course I'm right. I can't nitpick this, or else the whole thing falls apart. So let's move on to the best part of this radar scene. Okay. Michael Winslow. Yeah. Radar tech. Most people will know him as Jones from Police Academy. He's done like six of those. (laughs) Yeah, he kind of got stuck in that role. What a fucking talent this man is. He will make you laugh no matter what. You watch him in any movie. You watch his stand-up, which is really just a gimmicky, I'm going to do sound effects thing but he is so good at them well what's your favorite part of their interaction with him because this is the only scene you get yeah um it's definitely him uh describing what's missing from the radar oh for me it's when they move the intercom from his mouth (laughs) and he's still making the sound as if it's coming through the pa i love that part that's very good and then and then even though it's him doing it they rip the intercom out of the console and throw it. <laughs> you should see that it's not that. <laughs> that. That is one thing that is very funny about this movie, and that is the frustration that the characters have with other characters. But yeah, just like sweeping in your arms across the desk, grabbing everything you can and throwing it to the ground because you're so frustrated. Uh, physical comedy in this movie is quite good. I do have to say that. And Rick, uh, Rick Moranis, is, he's a gem. Ah. Oh. Wonderful. So our heroes rescue the two and bring them aboard. Uh, one of my favorite scenes here, again, psych eggs, but it's Lone Star taking Barf's tail snaps to the head. Yes. 
That uh, actually starts earlier too, when he's calling him to answer the phone is the yeah. first time that that happens. But it's oddly acted so well. Yeah, every time he reacts to it, it feels different, but the same. It feels like he's legitimately being cracked in the skull. Yep, and then just it's, reacting to it. Yeah, it's it's very good. Um, but then we uh, have to deal with Mel Brooks writing again. Uh, and Drewish princess jokes firmly set this movie in the 80s. Yeah, yeah. No uh, problem. Yeah. With the radar now clear, Dark Helmet prepares to take out the Winnebago, but Lone Star jumps to hyperspeed. <sighs> I remember loving this scene. Sanders preparing for a jump to light speed, but Helmet tells him that it's not fast enough and they must go directly to ludicrous speed. Thoughts? I love it. Okay. Tell me why. It's Rick Moranis' delivery in these scenes. When Colonel Sanders is doing all the preparation and Dark Helmet has no patience. He's like, ludicrous speed, go! (laughs) (laughs) Doesn't learn his lesson. (laughs) So when he tells them to stop and Colonel Sanders is like, we're going too fast, we should slow down. Dark Helmet has not learned his lesson. (laughs) Like just, it's so good. Yeah, yeah, he never does learn his lesson. Nobody else could have played this role. I mean, just the frustration, just the ang- when he's like, "Sir, I think you should buckle up." Ah, buckle this. It's just <laughs> Moranis is such a gem. And they straight up go to plaid. I don't, I don't get it. Uh, the color of the light trail leaves behind. Warp is white. I guess this has gone so fast that it's turned plaid. I didn't never, know that was a thing. Never got it as a kid, and I don't know why I do now, but yeah. So the Winnebago's run out of gas, and they <laughs> crash land on the desert moon Vega. At this point, I completely forgot that Lone Star and Vespa have never seen each other. Don't they see each other on the ship when they're arguing? Uh, this is where they argue, on the ship. Because they, they immediately swoon upon uh, laying eyes on each other. No? I thought that was before they crash landed, but okay. Uh-oh. Maybe it could have been just before then. Oh, yeah, because they had to prepare to crash land. You're right. Uh, they did a great job at doing the uh, the Han Leia animosity throughout, though. Mm-hmm. Uh, pretty much mandatory for this kind of relationship in this movie. They got good chemistry together. I, I'm, I'm buying it. Yeah, me too, actually. It's very convincing. Uh, they walk the desert arguing before we cut to Spaceball 1, and probably one of the best jokes of the movie okay instant cassettes because now movies are released before the movie is actually finished i love it i i love it too i still laugh at this the best part of it is again rick moranis and how befuddled by it he is like he pulls sanders aside and has like a conversation like how do they already have this (laughs) it's just so good and then when they go back to the scene where he flies into the console after going plaid, and he's like, <laughs> skip past this part. In fact, never play this part again. <laughs> Rick Moranis is so good. Yeah, he, he definitely does steal the movie. And it's undeniable that this is just an Abbott and Costello skit. What? He walks away with the cassette after this scene? What? He said he steals the movie. Oh, shut up. <laughs> But the whole like, what we're ha- what we're watching is now, versus when will now be then, soon. 
It, it sounds like their attempt at a who's on first scene, obviously. Exactly. Abbott and Costello. That's it, 100%. But I actually find this even funnier than that. So, well done, Mel Brooks. It's great because even when Sanders starts referring to what's going on and, and saying it to, like, the guy who's running the tape, Moranis is still reacting in the background, like, ooh! <laughs> I, I, it's funny that this works so well because it actually, like, for a plot device, makes sense because they it's the only way they find out where Lone Star is. Yeah. So brilliant. Brilliant scene altogether. Well, I always complain about stuff like this in a movie, right? When there's a villain who's somehow, like, how do they know where they are? Mm-hmm. This movie is just like, you know what? Let's address it in the most blatant way possible and make it completely unrealistic. And it's like, <laughs> I'm fine with that because you you know what you're doing. And doing it very well. See, if the rest of the movie were structured like this, it would probably be one of my favorite movies of all time. Okay. But it isn't, so it's not. Well, spoilers to your reaction in the movie. No, I'm just saying it's not my favorite movie of all time. That's not a spoiler. Okay, we'll see. We'll see. Back on Vega, the relationship between Lone Star and Vespa strengthens. They set up camp for the night and discuss Lone Star's mysterious past, where, as a baby, he was left on the steps of a monastery with only a mysterious medallion. And they basically fall in love at this moment, because it's an hour and 30-something minutes long. We need to fast-track this. The next day, they continue their trek under the blazing desert sun, but all eventually pass out from heat exhaustion. And here we get another blatant Star Wars reference, because they're rescued by this movie's version of Jawas, the Dinks. Um, you couldn't come up with a better name for that? It's dumb. It's very dumb. And the Dinks take them to their underground lair where we meet Yogurt, Mel Brooks' version of Yoda. Um, how, what do you say about Yogurt? I don't what, like what, him. Yeah, I don't like anything about him. I don't know what it is. I think he even, he looks terrible. Oh, bad makeup for this character, for sure. Well, it's, it's Mel Brooks in gold spray paint, it seems, like gold body paint, with terrible ears and if you told me that was his real hair at the time i would believe it just string, <laughs> stringy white hair balding on top he's obviously on his knees to get the yoda height or the yogurt height and he's just kind of like shuffling back and forth as one would but the jokes aren't good except merchandising you think that's good I found it kind of obnoxious. I did too, if you don't know the backstory. Okay. Do you know the backstory? What do you think the biggest problem of making this movie would be? Licensing? Exactly. That and the fact that this is undeniably ripping off Star Wars. Okay. So they actually went to George Lucas to talk about it. And they are one of the production companies that worked on it, Industrial Light and Magic. Uh, Lucas thought the movie was hilarious, but he maintained one thing, and that is you are not allowed to release action figures or any other types of merchandise that would conflict with Star Wars merchandise. 
Oh. So this entire scene is him making fun of his deal with George Lucas. That seems a little petty. Well, it's it's tongue in cheek, man. Like showing all the spaceballs where where all of the money is really made. So I I, I enjoyed that, but again, no non movie fan is going to get that reference. Yeah, I didn't get it. <clears throat> Back at spaceballs, you got to get my daughter one of those uh, spaceballs flamethrowers for Christmas, though. <sighs> okay, that was dumb. I would like a spaceballs flamethrower though. <laughs> uh, spaceball City. President Scroob is getting it on with the twins when a video call tells him that his space balls haven't found anything on Vega. His instructions? Comb the desert. <laughs> uh, yeah, okay. So, we agree the scene is fucking hilarious, right? <laughs> it's like Colonel Sanders just says what we're all thinking. Do you think we're taking this too literally? <laughs> Before we see why he says that, though, I have to say Dark Helmet, now in full-on safari gear, complete with an oversized pith helmet, is a great visual gag. Yeah. Uh, we quickly cut to uh, Yogurt translating Lone Star's medallion, but won't relay the message until the proper time. So Yogurt teaches Lone Star the ways of the Schwartz, this movie's version of the, the Force. Um and Lone Star lifts a massive statue before dropping it on Barf's foot. And we get the flattened foot joke. Um, Brooks can be very funny. I don't know why he relies on stupid shit like this. We get it in all of his movies. And I guess it does, it, it does help the film appeal to a younger audience. But the younger audience wouldn't really get the majority of the film. Now, I realize how dumb that sounds because you and I grew up loving the movies and we admit that we didn't get them, but I don't know why you would include this for kids because no adult's going to find this funny and kids aren't going to be your, your target audience or drive any sales for the films. Well, any input. As a kid, I love the flat foot. As an adult, it was one of the stupidest scenes. So who's this for? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Um, maybe it's just meant to be a scene that, you know, cheers you up. I guess. I mean, uplifting scene. It is good just to see. Oh, I just got that. <laughs> Fuck me. Um, cutting, cutting back to combing the desert. Mm -hmm. What about that? Did you find the funniest? It's literally combing the desert. Yeah. And then but, Rick Moranis. Almost as if he's, like, telling the audience, don't think about this too much. Flat out says, like, he said comb the desert, that's what we're doing. There's no taking this too literally. Well, this, okay, I find this incredibly funny. Okay. And the thing is, this is where Mel Brooks has inserted another one of his racial jokes. All right, the Afro pick. Yes, because we see two space balls combing the desert with a regular comb. And he's like, found anything yet? And they reply, nothing yet, sir. Pan over to another comb with two white space balls. How about you? Not a thing, sir. Pan over to two black space balls with an Afro pick. How about you guys? We ain't found shit. 
The delivery of that line made me laugh more than anything in this movie. When I was a kid, I always laughed at that part. Mm -hmm. And I don't even know if it's just because the guy said shit because I was a kid and, you know. I I love it because, well, we all know what they're going for with this scene. But this is a guy who has also obviously had enough. (laughs) (laughs) To me, he's the one character that's like, this is fucking ridiculous. I'm going to speak my mind. I'm not going to bite my tongue anymore and just goes for it. And I lost my place in my notes. (laughs) Okay. So after going through the desert a bit more, Helmet senses that Yogurt and the Schwartz are near, but knows he's not powerful enough to face him. Which is interesting because they never really deal with that in Star Wars, to my knowledge. So the plan is to lure Vespa outside later that night by using the illusion of her father calling to her. And it works because we need it to. Because she's an idiot who wouldn't question why her father is just standing in the middle of the desert. No. Why are characters always that stupid? Plot convenience. He's clearly not there, lady. So both she and Dot are captured. Okay, pause this for a second. What do you think of Dot Matrix? What do you think of of Joan as Dot? Annoying. Unnecessary. Wish it wasn't in the movie. I, I completely disagree. That's what I thought when I was a kid watching it, but now I think she's hilarious. No, no. I don't know what part she does. That's funny. I just like Joan Rivers. I okay, think you know what? Like name oh, three funny. times that she's funny. Stop looking at my can. <laughs> <laughs> That's the writing. Oh, okay. I see what you're doing here. There you go. All right. Um, now fueled up. Lone Star and Barf go to save Vespa. But before they take off, Yogurt gives Lone Star a fortune cookie, reminding him to open it before he eats it. <laughs> I'm glad you find that funny. It's never eaten a fortune cookie before? like Yeah. And then he also gives him the ring of the Schwartz. Yeah. Well, he's going to need it. Makes sense. It seems very out of the ordinary for story progression, but like, here, take this. You think he would have given it to him as he was like learning how to use it or something? No, no. Here's your fortune cookie. Uh, Open it before you eat it. Here's the ring of power. Cut to Spaceball 1 and we get a very disturbing scene of Dark Helmet playing Lotus Fantasy with Spaceball's action figures. Oh, so good. Really? Yeah, Rick Moranis is just so great. Continue. That's it. What else (laughs) do you want me to say? I don't know. I, I I like the end of the scene more than the actual scene. Yeah, um, I mean, the scene could have been a little bit shorter. And, like, yeah. obviously we get the whole thing where he's playing out some fantasy where Vespa actually likes him through his figures. Well, Jewish princesses are often attracted to money and power, Sandro. Yeah, and he didn't care for that line. And uh, But then, yeah, when Colonel Sanders comes in and he gets all freaked out and he's like, you didn't see anything, did you? No, I didn't see you playing with your dolls again. That is great. That is fantastic. So, via video, Helmet demands that King Roland give him the code to Druidius Airlock. If Roland refuses, Helmet will have a surgeon revert Vespa's nose job that she had for her sweet 16. 
I get what they're doing. I don't find it funny. What I do find funny is that King Roland relents and the combination is one, two, three, four, five. Which Dark Helmet says, it sounds like the combination an idiot would have on his luggage. Yes. Care to continue? No. No. So we won't reference it. No. The heroes arrive on Planet Spaceball, rough up two guards, and don their uniforms. And this is where we see Rick to Common. Ah, so criminally underused. I know. But <laughs> he does get one line in the next scene, which I love. And that's after the two rescue Dot and Vespa and head back to uh, Eagle 5. And they encounter the two guards during the escape. And one guy says, hey, those are the guys that took our uniforms. Keep in mind, there's nobody else around. So I don't know who he's stating this to. And then Rick DeCommon's like, they beat the shit out of us too. (laughs) And there's an awkward pause because, again, no one's around to hear this. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. So after a quick gunfight and a Wilhelm scream, they're captured by Steven Tobolowsky, except they actually aren't. Uh, the Spaceballs captured the stunt doubles. I, I'm curious about your take on this scene. Did you find this funny? As a kid, yes. This time, not so much. Yeah, it it felt really stale. Yeah. So we cut to Spaceball 1 and probably, and I, I don't know why I think this, but this is one of the funniest scenes for me. Okay. It's just the exterior of the ship and you hear the sound of somebody running along a metal walkway. Then we cut to the bridge of the ship and Scroob enters through the doors, still running until he reaches the very front and out of breath. He's like, the ship's too big. If I walk, the movie would be over. Yeah, that's great. That is great. That is phenomenal. And I almost started laughing just thinking about it again. Very and, well done. And who was it? Colonel Sanders. No. No, that that, that is fantastic delivery by Mel Brooks. There so you go. Your, that's your number two then. Uh-huh. So you still need one more. Spaceball One reaches Druidia and transforms into a giant maid, complete with vacuum cleaner, to remove all of the air from the planet. I have always hated that. It's a giant transformer. What do you want? Now, I know it's a giant transformer. What do you think about it turning into a maid with a vacuum cleaner? How else are you going to get the air out? Sandra? Duh. What do you think about it being a maid with a vacuum cleaner? It's pretty stupid. Thank you. (laughs) Now, having said that, I don't think I could come up with a better idea. All right. You just, you made me say it, right? You wouldn't let it go? No. All right. Well, I'm glad I could clear the air for you. (laughs) Ah, terrible. Uplifting was much better than that one. Well, they can't all be winners. (laughs) With their oxygen hastily being removed, the people of Druidia start to die. Lone Star uses the ring of Schwartz to flip the switch of the mermaids. Mega Maid's vacuum (laughs) from on. Sure, let's go with a giant robotic mermaid. But uh, flip the switch of the Mega Maid's vacuum from on to reverse. Okay. I do like how when they uh, started sucking the air out, it removed all the snow from the snow-capped mountains and all the trees. And when you flip it to reverse, it just puts everything back the way it was. literally just reverse the footage. Exactly. (laughs) Uh, Eagle 5 enters the maid's ear looking for the ship's weak spot, which is definitely the Death Star moment, which, I mean, come on, Death Star, it is a space ball. 
Lone Star dispatches two space balls with the Vulcan neck pinch. Um, I do have to say these are kind of co- kind of comical. Um, so do you like coming around? Do you like the first one or the second one better? Uh, do you remember what they were? Well, he tries to use it on the one guy, does it wrong, and the guy corrects him. The guy corrects him so that he can use it, and then passes out. I like the second one more, the shaving cream, where it's just the shaving cream to the eyes and the mouth, and the guy's screaming like it's acid. It probably stings. There's probably a very slight level of alcohol in it. <laughs> uh, now we get the inevitable showdown between Lone Star and Dark Helmet. Uh, again, there are some good lines, man. Some of the writing in this is very good. It's just infrequent. But even Lone Star's, at last we meet for the first time, for the last time, and then immediately questions himself. The look on his face is golden. He kind of looks <laughs> off to the side like, what? Did that make sense? <laughs> uh, one thing I've quoted for years was, I am your father's brother's nephew's cousin's former roommate. So what does uh, that make what? us? Absolutely nothing. <laughs> it's good. It's funny. Um, it's funnier than the Schwartz battle. It starts off with dick jokes. Mm-hmm. But even that gets better with like accidentally killing one of the film's crew members. That's it's really funny joke. <laughs> he did it. <laughs> <laughs> and the same with uh, <clears throat> with uh, Helmet leaning into Lone Star, and Lone Star just palming his helmet and the helmet just swinging his Schwartz crazily wildly and just can't hit him like you know the bully and the nerd classic short person yeah yeah (laughs) but helmet snags Lone Star's ring and delivers what is not my favorite line but could be one of the best lines of the movie evil will always triumph because good is dumb well that's before he snatches the ring right I thought he snatched it, and that's the line after. Maybe. Because I, I thought he went on about how he can't believe that he fell for that. Oh, yeah, you're right. Put her there, and then he grabs the ring, and he's like, I can't believe you fell for that, you idiot. That's the oldest trick in the book. And oh, here you I, go. Oops. <laughs> I don't know why my, uh, my attention to detail is lacking so much in these notes. Rick Moranis is so good. <laughs> I think we've called him a gem like five times in, already in this recording. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it's true. Let's make it six. This man is a gem. Yogurt telepathically tells Lone Star that the ring is a gimmick and that he has the Schwartz within himself. Yeah, it's just a ring out of a Cracker Jacks box. Yeah. So he deflects a shot from Helmet, knocking the villain backward and inadvertently hitting the ship's self-destruct button. Luckily, that uh, mirror was there from the guy who was shaving. Yeah. Everybody panics, and the heroes make a dramatic escape. Uh, But Scroob, Helmet, and Sanders don't make it to the escape pods in time, being beaten by everybody, even a bear. (laughs) Which I don't... Unless I missed a previous joke, I don't understand. It's just such a big ship. It even has a... a, Was it a circus on it? I think they said. Oh, the zoo. That's what it was. Huh. Uh, and the circus, yes. Yeah. Um, Q 80s Spaceballs song, though. 
got to have one of those. They tried the cancellation button, but it's out of order. Uh, Mega Maid explodes. Or I should say, I'll go with Mermaid again, just because it's fucking stupid. <laughs> Mermaid explodes, and Eagle 5 lands on Juridia. And out of nowhere is the news report, which I always found strange as a child, but I love now. The news report informs us that Pizza the Hut has died after getting locked in his limo and eating himself to death. As a kid, I thought that was one of the funniest things I have ever heard. It's pretty horrific when you look at it. But do we... I, I, I can't remember. Do we know what happened with... Um, was it Vinny? The robot sidekick? No idea. No? Oh, it's Rick. Rick, not Vinny. I don't know. Um... Vespa reunited with Roland and Prince Valium. Lone Star and Barf stop at a space diner, and uh, we get the scene from Alien again, complete with John Hurt playing the role of Kane. Uh, have you seen Alien? Have I seen Alien? Yeah. Yes. Okay. So you got this scene. Yes. What are your thoughts on it? That's all right. It's kind of a yeah. throwaway in the grand plot of it, but I mean... I'm okay with the standalone ridiculous scene. Yeah. I mean, a nice reference for sure. The fact they got John Hurt in this, I, I, I don't even know how, but well done. Um, I even like the creature effects of the chestburster. It, it's very low budget 80s sci-fi, but it's great. Yeah, it uh, didn't age well. The actual no. visual of the alien. But I love how the alien then puts on one of the straw hats like the Weave Hat, the Barbershop Hat, complete with Kane, and starts singing Hello, My Baby from 55's One Froggy Evening, which is still one of my favorite Looney Tunes cartoons. Um, complete, you know, they didn't have somebody re-record it. It is Ro uh, William Roberts as Michigan J. Frog. Uh, and then it just takes off. So yeah, it is a throwaway scene, but one of the better ones in the movie. But then the we go only back. purpose of it is for them to leave without eating. Yes. Um, back on Druidia, the wedding is ready to take place again. And uh, Vespa's furious that Lone Star took the money and ran. But Roland informs her that he only took $248 for lunch, gas, and tolls. He's a pretty stand-up guy. Yeah, he is. Cut to Eagle 5 and Lone Star and Barf are starving. But Lone Star remembers that he has Yogurt's fortune cookie. So they open it. And what do we get? Uh, yogurt tells us that he's a prince. Yeah. The medallion is a royal birth certificate. So Lone Star is, in fact, a prince. Prince of Which what? We don't know. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. It just means he can marry Vespa. Yes, because she can only marry a prince. So the heroes beeline for Druidia, while our villains, trapped in the severed head of Mega Maid, crash land on the planet of the apes so now we're just getting references thrown at us and honestly at this point i'm okay with it because i find with most mel brooks movies the writing gets really weak towards the end it's all setups and sight gags but when you try and wrap up a story that wasn't really that funny in the first place it's even worse it's kind of like stephen king books now he has a great idea with no idea how to wrap anything up so we get the wedding um what are your thoughts on the priest I don't know. I really like the priest character because he's this kind, old, loving man. Well, he's not that kind. 
Well, he gets furious at the end of this. That's the thing. I, that's why I love it. Cause he's getting more and more annoyed that people are just talking over him. There's zero respect. He's trying to marry two people. He, he even like blurts out at one point, I'm trying to conduct a wedding here. Love has nothing to do with, or it has nothing to do with love or something like that. Mm-hmm. So Lone Star crashes the ceremony, proposes to Vespa who accepts. And the priest is so livid at this point, And I'm actually laughing out loud. He's like, all right, the short version. Do you? Good. Do you? Good. You're married. Kiss her. And that's the end of it. <laughs> uh, so we cut to Eagle 5 flying through space with Just Married written on the back of the window. And fucking roll credits because the movie's over. Where, where did Lone Star get that outfit? Or Barf, for that matter. Oh, yeah. They probably didn't fit that in the fortune cookie. It doesn't matter. Like most of the shit in this movie doesn't matter. Did he stop somewhere to get a tailored suit? I guess so. That doesn't well, if you're in a rush, that's not a good idea. <laughs> my doesn't make problem. any sense, man. Okay, see, and that's that's my problem with this movie is that I didn't watch it in the right headspace. I watched it with a critical eye. I watched it trying oh, to apply that. logic. No, you can't. Do which that. you cannot do. Um, but the, the, the trouble I have with this kind of movie for our podcast is that you can't analyze this style of film. You're just supposed to watch it with your brain half turned off. Um, so I feel bad. I shit on as much as I did, but if you want to, if you want my honest opinion, I'm going to tell you about things scene by scene. Um, anything you want to talk about before we jump into budget? Nope. All right. So what was the budget? Uh, 10 million. 22.7. Oof. Yeah. Now, I thought it wouldn't have made that back at all. Um, I'll tell you right now it did, but what do you think it made overall? 60. 38.1. Ah! Yeah. Not exactly a success. Um, now this is what I kind of figured, and that is the, um, the ratings. The scores. So, people on IMDb. Yes. What do you What do you think they gave this? Seven. Yeah. Yeah. Seven point one. Okay. I get it. I don't know if I fully agree or not. I'm kind of torn. But what about the critics of the Tomato Meter and Rotten Tomatoes? Forty eight. Fifty seven. Okay. And the audience. Eighty two. Very close. Eighty three. Ah, is it, is it a 7.1 out of 10 or a 8.3 or 83%? Is it that good? I don't know. Yeah, we'll get to that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I think, yeah. mm, let's just move it. Awards. Okay. You, you know my least favorite character already. Well, we start with Ian's. You know my least favorite character already. So uh, we had a little bit of technical issues with our um, listener pick form. So Ian had to send me this stuff on just like a a text. So it's very Mm -hmm. short. Uh, Least favorite character, Pizza the Hut. Oh, okay. And then uh, you can can go ahead with yours. Uh, Scroob. What? Yeah. No. I just don't like him. I don't like him at all. No, you're wrong. It's not Mel Brooks. It's not Mel Brooks. Your opinion what? is wrong. It's least favorite, not worst character. Yeah. What, is that your favorite or something? 
No, 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 no. Come on. Favorite is pretty obvious. Let me guess. Yours is fucking Dot. No. Yogurt. Yogurt. How many guesses would it have taken you to get it right? Well, three is the magic number. Fuck off. (laughs) Oh, man. (laughs) You are getting frustrated. Almost as if you're in this movie. Yeah. Yeah, this... Yeah. This movie put me in a weird spot. It's Yogurt. Yogurt is the plainest character in the movie. Flat. (laughs) Does nothing for you. It's just not entertaining. It's good on granola. Like, you can at least find things to hate on other characters. Like, he's just there. And yeah. not good. I Inoffensive, I find. Fine. No? Nothing? Whatever. <laughs> wow. Am I passing on some of my uh, my hatred onto you Maybe. there? Okay. Um, favorite? Uh, Ian had barf. I love John Candy. Everybody seems to love barf. I, I don't not. think he's your favorite, though. No. No, my favorite character is Dark Helmet. And it's all because Rick Moranis, say it with me, is a gem. Is a gem. Okay. (laughs) 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 We didn't coordinate that, but... Hey, it worked on my end. (laughs) Um, What about yours? Oh, it's Lone Star. It's Bill Pullman. What? He's over Rick Moranis? Yeah. <sighs> what? I mean, he's good, but he's not Dark Helmet good. He's my favorite character. <sighs> Fine. I just think he nailed it. Like, when I said that this movie doesn't have a Luke Skywalker, it's because they took elements of Luke and Han and put them into Uber Han or Lo- Lone Star. It's just a really fun character, and this movie does not work without Bill Pullman as Lone Star for me. And and you can make the same argument with Rick Moranis. Anybody else playing that role this movie would not be as almost good as it is. <laughs> you're, you're getting upset. Really? <laughs> I'm, I, I'm, not, I'm not debating that Rick Moranis isn't great in this movie uh, for the eighth time. He's a gem. Mm-hmm. But I'm surprised that you're shocked by me picking Bill Pullman's Lone Star. Yep. What do you What do you dislike about Lone Star? No, or I love did, Lone Star. Is he your second favorite? Eh, he's up there. It's hard to say. I mean, I love a lot of the characters. Really? Yeah. Like who? How can you not love Barf as well? I mean, they're delightful. I don't, I don't like Barf. Uh, well, I like John Candy. Barf. I just don't like Barf. All right, fine, whatever. Um, he, he's not better than Dark Helmet. Barf? Oh my God, I know hate you what's ian's memorable line when will then be now soon soon (laughs) that's a good one the thing is there's so many memorable lines sandro there's so many all right so i I had to go with my favorite Mm -hmm. and that is the back and forth about combing the desert okay and I've already said it, so I'm not going to repeat myself. But I, I, I laugh every single time I hear it. I laugh when I think about it. So I have to say hands down, it's that one. All right. You? So, Lone Star, now you see that evil will always triumph because good is dumb. It's a great one. Love it. There's Carried so it many. with me from when I was a child. Still love it to this day. <laughs> 
I wonder though, I want this movie has so many amazing lines in it. Mm-hmm. But I wonder if you randomly said one around a group of friends, if the, anybody would pick up on what it's from. I'm confident that they would. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Well, think about who my friends are. They, they would. I don't know. I don't. I, I I'm honestly fairly certain I say lines from this movie in front of Alex all the time, and he gets it. Oh, okay, cool. It's just I feel like this movie is um, kind of forgotten now. Like it was definitely popular in the '80s when it came out, '90s for sure, early 2000s even. I might give it that, but I really don't hear anybody talk about this movie ever anymore. And I'm going to say that's a problem. Okay. Uh, because there is a lot of this movie to like, uh, the, the humor is lacking at times or falls flat. I should say not lacking. It's just not for me, but there's a product of its time too. Maybe it it would be funny in 87, but there are parts of it that are funny in 2023. And I think people should kind of give it another shot, but we're, we're not, we're not to our reviews yet. Memorable scene. Uh, Ian has the ludicrous speed scene. Yeah. Okay. I can't what argue you... with him. I mean, there's some classic lines in there too, especially I... the ah, buckle this. And it's even capped off with the, are, are we stopped? Yeah. Uh, what do we do now? Uh, take a five minute break. <laughs> Smoke him if you got him. There's no way five minutes would be sufficient. This helmet is crushed. Yeah, that is definitely a memorable scene. There are a few in this for me, but what um, what uh, what's yours? Uh, the Spaceballs, the movie scene. That whole Abbott and Costello back and forth, it really lets Moranis shine. There's some great fourth wall breaking. Even just like the visual look on Rick Moranis and Colonel Sanders' faces. I use one character name, one actor's name, never mind. When they like turn to the screen turn to the audience it's just that it comes together so perfectly yeah yeah i was going they even grabbed the video off of the mr rental shelf i hate that joke we've been over this i fucking hate that joke (laughs) it's so dumb so i shouldn't change the name of this episode to mr review no (laughs) no you need to lighten up man I know. I really do. <laughs> this this movie is... I've already said this is a movie we're not... We, it doesn't fit us. The man. second I saw it was picked, I'm like, I can't take this seriously. But we... Uh, you have to. It's problematic. Uh, I, I'll get into this, but my memorable scene, I was going to say, would be the alien scene. The alien reference. Okay. But I will randomly have lines from Spaceballs, the movie scene, pop into my head. Okay. So I'm going to have to agree with you in that being the memorable scene. There's so many, but yeah, I mean, if you got to pick one. Yeah. So, do you, okay, what, what, what are Ian's, Ian's all-around thoughts on this? That's not a question on the form. I assumed he would have provided something. We know why he picked it, childhood favorite, but would he recommend it or anything? No idea. Okay, so we just have no idea at all. He was out of town all week. I barely got these answers because the form wasn't working. Give me a break. Fine. Jesus Christ, I didn't know. Um, 
Let me get into it then. All right. Is this a good movie? No. It could be. 2023, maybe, maybe not in comparison. 87 parody Mel Brooks movie. Yes. Yes, I think that when this came out, it was a good movie. Um, the jokes have either aged poorly or perfectly. It's kind of 50-50 for me. Um, so I think anybody born after the year 2000 will think this is the biggest pile of shit ever made. Um, I've laughed a few times. I've rolled my eyes and sighed more than I've laughed. Um, I would never, ever recommend this to anybody as a fun viewing. I would definitely recommend this to people who want to see a, a nostalgic time capsule of, you know, science fiction parodies because it, it, it's not just star wars it's alien this planet of the apes uh there's a wizard of oz references there's there, there's a bunch in here it's just i kind of wish i didn't watch the movie again because it feels like with most mel brooks movies the more i see it the less i like it um so no no i i, I would not recommend this movie uh i now having said that i am not angry at all with ian i should clarify that for picking this one. It's a very difficult movie to review, uh, at least in depth. And that's why my notes were kind of sparse on it because how, how do you review sight gags? It's, it's, it's very difficult. Um, I don't really know what else to say other than that. The acting, I mean, I have no problems with it. I, I told you, I loved even Joan Rivers just doing the voice acting as much as you hated the character. Um, everybody does a competent job, I guess, except for Mel Brooks. I would have preferred him to stay behind the camera. Um, but it's also hard not to just love Mel Brooks as Mel Brooks. He's in all of his movies and you know, he's, he's a staple in comedy cinema. It's just the movie itself is a fucking drag, man. It moves way too slowly, even though they try and fasten the pace by taking out plot points that were prominent in the movies that they're parodying. So, yeah, it's a drag. It's not recommend. Uh, I'm I'm very curious to hear what you have to say. I think it's going to be very different than my opinion. I like the movie. And that's it. Yeah. You got to give me more than that, man. Uh, Why, I don't think I can like? recommend it just because I think it is a product of its time. And if you didn't already grow up with this movie, I can't see somebody new to this movie finding it nearly as entertaining. I, I think that this is one of those situations where younger people are going to look at us like crazy old guys who have aged poorly ourselves because how do we find this funny? How do we yeah. find any of this funny? Mm -hmm. I still love it. I grew up with it. Watching it again didn't change my mind on it. There was definitely some flipping on a few of the scenes where some that I liked as a kid or vice versa you know, my opinion changed on it. Yeah. But overall, I still enjoy the movie from start to finish, but I can't recommend it. Yeah. It's a weird one. Mm-hmm. And I can't agree with you to be easy on Ian because Ian's a jerk for picking this movie and everybody who voted for it is a jerk. No, no, no. That's the point of doing this, man. We'll talk about movies that people want us 
like want to hear us talk about. And that's fine. Uh, I'm just, I, I feel bad that it probably didn't turn out the way he was expecting. Hey, if they're trying to stick it to us with these picks, then we can stick it to them for making these picks. No, we can't. I'm on to you, Ian. <laughs> okay. All right. So that was our thoughts on Spaceballs. If you'd like to share your thoughts, you can hit us up on social media. We are on Twitter at BSBargainBin, Facebook.com slash BSBargainBin. Or go to BSBargainBin.com where you can find links to our merchandise, our YouTube videos, uh, other random links to the movies, whatever. Just hit us up. Let us know what you thought. Ben. Yeah. What are we watching next week? Next week, we are sticking with the sci-fi element, but we're doing sci-fi action instead of sci-fi comedy. Um, this movie stars one of our favorites. It came out in 1990, but is known by two different titles, depending on where you were uh, in the world. Uh, to me, this movie is known as I Come in Peace. To the rest, it is known as Dark Angel. Until next week, have a good one. All the best. Houston, Texas. It's Christmas. Someone special is coming to town. And it's not Santa Claus. Jack Kane, a cop who does things his own way. What are you doing? Shortcut. He's sensitive, understanding, and kind to strangers. Merry Christmas. But all that's about to end. I'm coming, peace. Three well-armed men have their throats cut before they can even draw their weapons. Who could possibly move that fast? Aliens. Say what? Are you crazy? It's true! You need a psychiatrist, Jack. Your psycho stole a lot of heroin to kill people with. What are you gonna do? Tell them we're, we're fighting drug dealers from outer space? Huh? <laughs> The human body carries a small electrical charge, right? You tune the disc to the charge and then... What the hell is going on here? As far as you're concerned, this case is closed. It's not our problem anymore. I've had a bad day. Until next week, have a good one. All the best.